Hey, listeners of the Bio Report, I want to tell you about a new member benefit from the California Technology Council. CTC has teamed with Reprovada to offer members six months of Reprovada's COT Network service for free, which gives companies the power of a VPN at a fraction of the cost. A remote, flexible workforce is the new normal, but most corporate networks aren't built to accommodate work from home at scale. Reprovada's COT Network offers an easily deployable, affordable, and scalable solution to securely enable remote workers and protect the corporate network. To learn more about this and other member benefits, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. biologics orally rather than through injection has been an intriguing goal, but has proven difficult. Most efforts have focused on finding ways to turn these large protein molecules into formulations where they would not break down along the digestive tract before they could be absorbed and provide a therapeutic benefit. Ronnie Therapeutics has taken an unusual tact. Rather than reconceiving the biologic, Ronnie has reconceived the pill itself. The company has developed what it calls a robotic pill that carries the therapeutic to the gut, where it injects the drug into the wall of the intestines. We spoke to Mir Imran, chairman and CEO of Ronnie Therapeutics, about how the Ronnie pill delivers biologics orally, the technology underlying it, and how the company thinks about the opportunities it will pursue. Here, thanks for joining us. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. We're going to talk about Ronnie Therapeutics' effort to develop biologics orally, the potential for this technology, and, and the technology underlying this. What's the range of therapeutics we're talking about, and how big a market opportunity are we talking about? Well, that, that's, uh, that's uh, a great first question to start with. So. Um, um, the uh, the range of biologics, there is no constraint on which biologic we can deliver. For instance, we can deliver peptides like insulin or PTH, human growth hormone, or, or um, um, therapeutic antibodies like Humira, Quacentex, and others, um, and other um, uh, larger molecules that are like uh, factor VIII, for instance, for hemophilia. So there is no uh, uh, constraint on the kind of molecule we can deliver. So therefore, the market that we address is really um, uh, in, you know, $150 billion overall market that we we can target, uh, you know, and we can get a small piece of that. Uh, and that would be a, that would be a great outcome. What's the case for doing this? What problems would be addressed and, and what benefits would there be? So, you know, when I started looking at this 
problem of uh, daily injections, um, and um, and I found out that uh, people have tried turning you know insulin uh, into oral uh, format or uh, even inhaled uh, insulin, and there are other drugs people have tried turning them into oral. In fact, over the last fifty years. Um, uh, there have been more than a hundred attempts made uh, at, at trying to convert a few of these peptides into oral. And the vast majority of those uh, efforts have failed. Uh, the handful that have had some success, and when I say some success, uh, what I mean is uh, uh, bioabsorption or bioavailability, as it's called, or amount of drug that is absorbed is um, less than 1%. So uh, compared to sub-Q injection, you're, you're throwing away 99% of the drug because the enzymes in the gastric GI tract really digest and break down. And so the, the chemistry approaches that are employed cannot protect the drug long enough and well enough uh, to get better than 1% absorption. Have there been other challenges to doing this? You know, the the, the significant uh, amount of effort that has gone in has gone into this chemistry-based approaches where they uh, try to block the enzymes with um, enzyme blockers and, um, and permeation enhancers that essentially denude the mucosal lining. So uh, that... Uh, um, those those um, attempts have worked in very small biologic molecules. To my knowledge, no one has tried delivering therapeutic uh, antibodies with this approach, and I doubt that that will work. Well, Ronnie has taken what I consider a mind-bending approach to the problem. It's it's really fascinating to me as an approach to to problem solving and in the tech you've taken in developing the Ronnie pill. What is the Ronnie pill? So uh, let me start by uh, the premise that uh, led to this. Uh, the, the, you know, I, I asked a very simple question. I, I said, why can't we have a pill that goes into the intestine uh, and delivers a pain-free injection? Um, and that was, a, that was the question I started with. And um, that question, uh, it has taken several years to answer that question. Uh, and uh, we have uh, great data. So the, the premise was uh, create a capsule that is uh, like a tiny robot, uh, very low cost, uh, and um, survives the stomach acid, goes into the intestine, and then uh, it transforms itself into an injection and delivers an injection in the intestinal wall. And um, uh, the intestinal wall doesn't have the sharp pain receptors that we have in our skin, so the injection is uh, pain-free. And uh, uh, so, and and the uh, the other uh, thing that we we solve at one stroke is that because we are injecting, we're no longer uh, limited by molecular weight. And because we are injecting, bioavailability or absorption of the drug is similar to a subcutaneous injection. 
so it's a um, uh, it's a pretty uh, amazing technology that works across all biologics we have tested nine different biologics so far in um, both animal models and one and and uh, one or two in humans we did a phase one study last year uh, with one of our molecules well walk me through the the process what actually happens when someone swallows a ronnie pill so um the ronnie pill has a ent uh, entire coating which took us two three years to develop is a special type of uh, pH-sensitive coating uh, and only dissolves at higher pHs. So in the stomach where the pH is relatively low, it's very acidic, uh, the coating um, uh, doesn't dissolve and it protects the uh, components inside the rani pill. So after a while, it goes from the stomach to the intestine. Now, the intestinal pH uh, in humans is more than 6, 6.2 approximately. Um, and uh, the uh, coating is designed to dissolve at a pH of anywhere 5.5 or higher. So um, once in the intestine, the coating starts to dissolve and it exposes the um, um, uh, components to uh, gastric fluid, intestinal fluid. Now, in that, that system really is a balloon, uh, a plastic balloon, uh, which is kind of folded up into inside the um, capsule. And inside the balloon, there are two chemical reactants that are separated by a pinch valve. So imagine uh, taking a balloon, putting uh, two, two chemicals, one on e uh, each side and pinching it. And what that does is uh, uh, it, it keeps them separate. And when they do mix, when they're exposed to the uh, uh, gastric fluids, uh, carbon dioxide is produced. And that's what inflates the balloon. So it's a self-inflating balloon. And it works very, very reliably. It's, it's amazing uh, how, how accurately it works. And the chemistry is very simple. It's... Um, uh, uh, alpha-sensor chemistry. What were some of the other technical challenges other than getting the coding right? I mean, there seems to be a, a, an amazing bit of technology and intelligence built into this. So, so the, uh, that's, that's absolutely true. So one of the other um, uh, conditions I, I imposed on this was I didn't want to use metal needles. You know, when you think of an injection, you think of a metal needle, hollow needle, and and delivering a liquid through the needle. That's what most people would think about. And I did the same thing. And then I quickly, re when I said, I don't want metal needles, so I said, okay, if I want something that is dissolvable, that goes away, um, I can't possibly put push a liquid through it because the liquid will start dissolving the, the needle. Um, so I... I I came up with a um, concept of uh, creating a hollow needle uh, made out of sugar. Initially, we, we started using a, a an injectable grade sugar, and we t took the drug in dry form, compressed it into um, into the pill, into the sugar rather, uh, into the sugar needle, 
uh, and the hollow sugar needle filled with the drug was delivered by the balloon completely into the intestinal wall and the, the needle and the drug would both get absorbed. So that was, that's what we came up with. And it's easier said than done, uh, as most things are. Um, and uh, it took us a while to figure out uh, the exact um, uh, materials to make the um, needle from. How do you take biologics and safely put them into, an, into a hollow needle? So the whole range of uh, issues that we solved. And in, along the way, we had to create custom machinery and equipment and manufacturing processes that allowed us to uh, make sterile needles and keep the drug sterile in the capsule uh, until it was delivered. There's also a, a digital aspect to the pill. What information does it provide and how does that enhance its value? So the digital uh, aspect of it is um, a well, is an optional uh, feature, which basically um, transfer transmits a um, signal uh, to the cell phone um, patient's cell phone and through the cell phone to the cloud, uh, where it's uh, aggregated from all the patients. So it's a way of um, um, uh, tracking compliance. In you know, once you have an approved product, but its greatest uh, uh, benefit or use would be during clinical trials. That if you want to know that the patients are taking the the um, drugs um, uh, at the time appointed time, they're not missing a dose. Uh, you know, these clinical trials are expensive, and so you have uh, people missing doses or forgetting to take the dose it can create noise in the data. So uh, this is an optional feature. And for high value drugs where, uh, you know, some of these drugs are incredibly expensive, uh, this, you know, the payers may require um, uh, monitoring to make sure that the, uh, uh, the drug is actually being utilized. When I think of the way biologics are delivered today, I, I often, Think of large volumes of fluid that wouldn't easily fit into the pill. Are, are there formulation and dosing challenges you need to address to make this work? Yeah, yeah. So you know that 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 was exactly one of my the the reasons why we decided to go with uh, solid drug because the the actual drug, let's say in 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 a liquid one one cc um, uh, liquid injection might be very small. So for instance, if we are um, um, delivering uh, insulin, we can deliver uh, a you know, significant number of maybe up to 80 units in one capsule. Um, and because the powder, when you concentrate it, the pure drug substance is, is actually doesn't occupy that much space. Now, there are drugs that, are, that need to be delivered in higher volume. Uh, and uh, and we are um, developing next generation Rani pills with greater capacity. The Rani pill has actually been through the first test in humans in January. Reported results from a phase one study of a Rani pill version of octreotide. What is octreotide? 
So octreotide is a is a drug that is uh, 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 used for the treatment of uh, two um, conditions, rare conditions. Uh, one is called acromegaly, and and uh, that's a rare condition where uh, there is an excess of growth hormone, and so the joints continue to grow and they become very painful. So this basically blocks the the um, um, secretion of some of the uh, growth hormones. And the second application of that is in a type of cancer called neuroendocrine tumors. These are gastric gastrointestinal tumors. Uh, so it's a it's a sizable market, but uh, these patients have to um, inject themselves, uh, and, you know, daily or uh, weekly, and and these are incredibly painful injections, um, and uh, so we are converting those into a daily pill, a pain-free daily pill. What makes it such a painful injection? Because this particular drug has to be delivered in the muscle and so the the and the uh, they recommend uh, uh, that it be delivered in the buttocks with the so you know it's uh, patients describe it with uh, colorful language um, uh, which is uh, not very complimentary of the <laughs> of the delivery system and where it is delivered. So it is a very painful injection, unlike a um, insulin injection, which is delivered with a small needle uh, just below the skin. So is that why you looked at this as a, a first indication to to go after? Um, you know, we we actually decided to uh, bring in and develop several drugs that are off patent. Uh, so, you know, one of the challenges always in um, biopharmaceuticals is, uh, you know, when you, especially for us, when we're trying to put, uh, do our, develop our own drugs, which drugs should we deliver, uh, should we develop? And we found that uh, there are several drugs like insulin, GLP-1, uh, human growth hormone, octreotide, uh, parathyroid hormone, all these are off-patent drugs and they're available from uh, really credible suppliers uh, so we don't have to get into the manufacturing of the drug business. We can just buy the drug substance and manufacture a pill. So uh, we chose um, um, uh for a variety of reasons. We, we debated whether to use, uh, go after uh, uh, insulin or GLP-1, and we might do that in the future, but this was uh, uh, also uh, uh, was a rare disease we were going after. So if we were to take it to phase three, uh, it would be a much smaller uh, clinical trial. So for a variety of reasons, we chose this. And from a regulatory point of view, does the FDA look at this as they would a, a new drug? Is this a drug-device combination? What, what what's yeah. the regulatory path for you? So uh, this is a very interesting question. This falls in a as a drug device combination, and uh, we've had um, uh, a number of uh, meetings and conversations with the FDA, and they um, have um, given us a uh, a clear path to uh, uh, getting 
uh, the platform tested and uh, and then subsequent to that uh, uh, testing it with specific drugs uh, so that would speed up the approval of the uh, um, existing drugs that we uh, want to deliver orally and one of the interesting things is that because we are it's an injection and in most cases we don't have to change the dosage uh, so that uh, that makes it easier uh, from a regulatory standpoint. So same dose and delivered differently. Uh, other forms of uh, you know oral forms of uh, um, delivery has uh, been challenging because the highly variable absorption you know that one percent absorption that I mentioned. The variability is 200%, 300% variability from one dose to the next. Uh, we have our dosing is within 3 to 5% accuracy every single dose. So we have a much better control over how much drug is inserted. Does that mean that it's a more cost-effective way to, to deliver these drugs as well? Absolutely. You, you know, you're not throwing away 99% of the drug. So... Uh, the cost uh, cost of goods is lower, and and the other thing that uh, that is important to note here is the capsule technology. The cost of goods there is also incredibly low, as I described earlier. Um, we have a a plastic balloon, some chemicals that inflate it, and a uh, ne needle containing the drug and and a coating on the capsule. So, so um, not a lot of um, expensive stuff, and so uh, the capsule cost of goods is really small, and um, and we use the drug very efficiently. And from a a business strategy point of view, is the idea that you would partner with drug developers, or is the intent to pursue your own pipeline of therapeutics on your own? So that's a great question. So we uh, we have uh, uh, a, a dual prong approach. One is to partner with large pharma companies, and we have collaborations with Novartis uh, and uh, uh, Takeda uh, on some specific drugs, and uh, 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 we also have a collaboration with the uh, Chinese pharma company. And in addition to those collaborations, we are in discussions with five or six additional large pharma companies in U.S. and Europe about uh, potentially putting their drugs on our platform. And in addition to all that, we have five or six molecules that are off patent that are accessible to us without going through large pharma that we can develop on our own. So we, we're doing both things, um, developing the... Uh, our own drugs and offering our uh, uh, platform to um, to and con doing the formulation work for partners drugs uh, and and developing that. And as you think about building your pipeline, how do you select and prioritize indications? Are there drugs or indications that are better suited for this than others? Yeah. So so you know I I think one one of the um, uh, 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 limitations or, or parameters we are looking for on, for internal development is uh, off patent drugs, and so there are that sort of limits the universe of drugs that we can 
we have access to. And then within that, we prioritize different diseases, uh, you know, where the need is greatest, uh, where, um, uh, for, I'll give you one example. You know, we are attempting to convert factor eight, which is used by hemophilia patients, uh, two or three times a week, they have to inject themselves in the vein. You know, it's not a sub-Q injection, it's an intravenous injection. So these patients have to find their vessel and and inject themselves three times a week. And if we can convert that into an oral, that'll be a huge benefit to the patients. So we, we look at patient the impact to patients and the improvement in outcomes uh, and uh, availability of drugs to us. So that's the criteria we're using. And, um, I, you know, we're, it's actually the, it's, uh, the, the problem we have is we have so many choices and uh, being a small company, we have to carefully prioritize um, which areas we're going to go after. Mir Imran, Chairman and CEO of Rami Therapeutics. Mir, thanks so much for your time today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.